0: Welcome back, Tales of Glory listeners. I'd like to welcome you back to the show. I know we've been on a hiatus a little while because we've been preparing material for a training class, and that went very successful at the end of January out in Texas. I'd um, like to give a shout out to the Open Door Church out there for inviting us out and letting us do our um, training. A couple things here, too. This is going to be a fireside chat, which means I just do stuff off the cuff here or just stop interjecting in between our normal material of St. Teresa of Avila or the Advanced Field Guide Spiritual Warfare. What I'd like to cover today in the fireside chat is I had to glean over quickly the topic of exorcism while I was out in Texas because I felt in the room there was more important material to cover like the associative identity disorder um, over the ministry of exorcism. So for those of you who are interested and they have the the training book from the class, I'm going to go through that module three on Mark 929 ministry here because it's pertinent material and it's pertinent to um, things right now, how I believe Christian ministers need to own a lot of this paranormal stuff going on right now. And by that, I don't mean we're running out there with our REM pods and our little meters and our little things, you know, little toys um, and doing these seances even though they're digital, which are abominations to God. How do we handle these situations when they occur? It seems like the church either dropping the ball or Christians are slithering out from beneath the church and going and inquiring of the occult, that is the new age, that is psychics. They are of the occult, no matter if they call themselves Catholic or Christian. If they're a psychic medium, they are of the occult. And that is the first Chronicles 10:13. Go look that one up. So how do we work with this? How do we own this? And who do we send out? Um, and that is the topic today of Mark nine twenty nine ministry. As we look at how do we deal with occult battles? When we have demonic activity in a house or we have a person that's actually demonically possessed. I discovered, discussed that in the uh, previous module difference between oppression, and possession, possession is rare, a lot rarer casers. We don't get that many here on demonic possession. I do get them about once or twice a year. But the oppression is a lot more, and the dissociative identity disorder is even greater because Christian counselors mistakenly call dissociative identity disorder as a case of demonic oppression or demonic activity because there's multiple identities inside a person, and this is not the case. And I will cover that more probably after this module on my own to help you guys understand what that is. But right now I wanted to cover module three from that class because I had to glance over it quickly. For the sake of time, I felt you know exorcism was the one that nicks because exorcism ministry is not that prevalent in church right now, except through, you know, the Catholics have it; they have their exorcist ministers, and we have a few on our side of the fence too. I go out on calls for exorcism ministries when it's required of me. I also am a practicing exorcism minister when it comes to satanic ritual abuse, and. That one's kind of complicated because you don't do exorcisms on satanic ritual abuse survivors. You do inner healing ministry on them. However, there are times when demonic and the occult surfaces, and you have to not deal with it. And it is way beyond the spectrum and scope of an average deliverance minister. In fact, Jesus has to bring you into this to stand up to the occult. And at some points I'm gonna to make today, what is an exorcism minister? What is Mark 929 ministry? How does it show up in the Bible? Where is it? And so if you have your training books out, from the class, I invite you to pick up it's Introduction to Spiritual Warfare Ministry 101. Okay, um, I'm just picking up with a class left off just for the students to just you know go through and, and understand kind of the topics we have going on here. So where are we covering with that? Let's pull up our boom, there they are. There's our PowerPoint notes. If you're watching on YouTube, this PowerPoint notes. If you're listening in on podcast, um, you know, just read along in your book because I'll try to identify the modules and stuff where we're at and what sections we are in the outline. But this is Module Three of the Introduction to Spiritual Warfare Ministry, Mark Nine Twenty Nine, Occult Battles and Demonic Possession. Okay, this is actually a brief glance into it. This topic is more. Breath to it than I covered here. But this, again, this is introduction to spiritual warfare ministry, right? So I'm not going to cover all the details here, but I'm going to identify and outline what type of people, what type of ministry this is and who belongs in it and who doesn't. I'm going to cover some of the aspects of it too, of why certain people don't belong in this. It's something God brings you into. He drafts you. You're not called. It's a calling on me. You know, know you're not. You find yourself in the middle of this and all of a sudden God's just revealing stuff to you, the supernatural and the unseen realm, left and right, because he's trying to train you and bring up to speed quickly on what this is. And like I said, um, he puts people into it that can handle it. That doesn't mean we're any special people or any more righteous. There's something about how God has us wired. This is the Navy SEALs, all right? This is the Navy SEALs of the spiritual (laughs) kingdom down here. We have to deal with the uh, hardcore intrusions. So let's move forward. Introduction to battling outside our dominion. Now, of course, I'm I'm talking into the people that took the class. In module two, we talked about deliverance ministry, which is battling in our dominion, right? We were looking at Luke 10, 17, right? We're looking at the 70 disciples, right? Master, master, or even the, the demons submit to your name, right? To Jesus. That's deliverance ministry being called out right there. And we outlined stuff that was in our dominion and how we were as images of Christ from Genesis one twenty six, how we're imaged. And we have um, co-rule and, you know, dominion and authority, right? When we're in Mark nine twenty-nine ministry. We are out of our authority realm, right? We don't have it. Our spiritual authority is limited to low-level terrestrial demons. That's Luke 10, 17. When our battle takes us in the occult, we must switch our prayer posture from spiritual authority to petitioning prayer. What is prayer posture, Mike? Well, I did cover it in that, that class. So if some of you guys are straggling in, trying to sneak in and learn this, Authoritative prayer posture is what Jesus taught us in Luke 10 17, right? Um, where he's, you, you know, the disciples had authority over demons. What this means is our prayer posture is when we cast out a demon, we're talking directly to a demon. That's authoritative prayer posture. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you out of that person. Or in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave this home immediately and never return. We are speaking to the demon, we're not talking to it. We're commanding it like a police officer, right? We're using our authority. I command you to get out now and never return in Jesus' name. That's called an authoritative prayer posture. When we deal with the occult, we don't have authority over that. And we're going to explain why. I did a little bit before, um, so the members that took the class, I'm not going to cover it much here. But you can probably glean over it a little bit earlier. I did cover something about the the deity of Jesus Christ in earlier fireside chat session and you guys may want to take a look at that i was back in december where i cover about the heavenly realms and things like that that's something you want to take a look at too if you're just diving in here so we're switching from authoritative prayer posture to petitioning prayer posture what is petitioning we're back to daniel book of daniel right face down on the ground petitioning god jesus jesus i need your help here i need your help this is something that's out of my jurisdiction and my power i need you to help me with this that is petitioning that's you know, you're fasting and prayer right so, what is Mark 9.29 ministry, Mike? And why is it different from Luke 10.17? Let's take a look. Mark 9.25. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse. So that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. In some verses of the Bible, it's fasting and prayer. I have an Aramaic Bible that, that came out of the Ethiopian, which is over 2,000 years old in translation too, and it says fasting and prayer. So there's, there's little discrepancies. You know, We go back and forth, the NIV and stuff. But let's look at this. The situation was, Jesus came back from transfiguration, right? Him and and Peter come down the hill. I think it was John was with him. And here's a situation going on with the other disciples there going, they're trying to cast out this demon, right? Oh, this kid. They probably thought it was easy peasy, right? We're talking, these are disciples. They've done healing. They've probably done den raising with Jesus and all this other stuff. The demon will kick this thing out, no problem. But here they are frustrated. This thing wouldn't leave. It would not obey the disciples, and so, after Jesus casts this thing out, and they pull him off the side, they go, "Hey, um, you know, uh, what gives? Why could we not cast out that demon? What the heck was going on there, Jesus?" And he goes, "Oh, this one only comes out through fasting and prayer, right?" Okay, that is Mark nine twenty nine ministry. He is defining exorcism. The disciples were using authoritative prayer posture to cast out the demon. It was not working. Well, gosh, Mike, I thought in deliverance we have authority all over all stuff. Yeah, yeah, but something was different here. These were not low-level demons, okay? And I discussed what low-level demons are in the other training module for those of you who took the class. So now we're entering into exorcism when we enter petitioning prayer. So fundamentally, there are two basic categories for the ministry of Christian exorcism. The first one's a Roman Catholic rite of exorcism, right? We have the Roman Catholic priests who've been trained in the rite. And it's ritual-based in fasting and prayer, right? Something similar. The rite is a ritual. It, it's, a, it's a Catholic ritual. Where they go through the ritual to cast out a demon. They go through all these sets of prayers. They have methodologies to do it. Boom, boom, boom. And they keep going after these different ones. They do this, do that. We'll do this ritual, do this prayer. It's ritual-based. In evangelical exorcism, it's Holy Spirit-driven liberation prayer, right? We're praying to Jesus. We're talking to him. We're hearing from him. We're hearing from Jesus. We're hearing from the Holy Spirit. We're hearing from the Father in heaven and receiving tactical information on what to do next. Are we getting prophetic word? Are we getting some sort of word of wisdom that will cast this thing out? Um, And also, too, the people who are in this are living a lifestyle of deep prayer, okay, that already involves fasting and prayer. They're not incorporating fasting and prayer into their prayer life because they're spiritual warriors they are incorporating fasting and prayer into their life because they want to go into a deeper union with jesus christ right this is mystical prayer this is where they're going to the contemplation and on their daily lifestyles it's it's jesus focused right it's not about spiritual warfare it's just they're, they're called into action when they're needed because they can hear god clearly jesus will have them you know, go work on stuff like this. He, Jesus knows them and they know Jesus, right? Maybe jumping the gun here. Hold on. So, battles with the occult and second heaven. I discussed what second heaven was in the, the previous um, training module, in module one. Go back and look at, um, like I said, the one in December, the deed of Jesus Christ. I may have covered it there for you guys. So, man was not. Given dominion to do any battles in the heavenly realms. We weren't. An intercessor will argue this till I turn green and vomit. They don't have authority in the heavenly realms. They try to rely on Ephesians 1 because we're, we're lifted up to um, with Jesus Christ and, and he's seated at the right-hand side of the Father. Yes, it's true, but we don't have the spiritual authority while we're here in exile. Make that connection because it's very dangerous when you step across that line. So, therefore, we do not bind principalities, rulers, authorities, dark powers, cosmic beings, or anything in the heavenly places. We don't do it. Um, well, that's A lot of intercessors get themselves in trouble there, and I've worked with the intercessors getting stuff off them. Battles that involve the occult, where evil, divine, spiritual beings came in through dark rituals, require Mark 929 warfare tactics a.k.a. exorcism. Okay, so um, under A, rule one, we don't battle in the heavenly realms. That's where I'm at right now in the book. Topic A, rule one, we don't battle in the heavenly realms. Nowhere in the Testament does Jesus instruct us to pray against divine spiritual beings. It's not there. A lot of people argue this for you and they know it's not there. Go for it. Go find it go find it. It's not there. We don't battle in heavenly realms. John Paul Jackson's five reasons not to engage beings during spiritual warfare, right? The late John Paul Jackson. Christ never did. We never saw it. He never taught us how to pray like that. We have Matthew 6 and Luke 11 that teaches us how to pray, right? Our father who art in heaven, right? It doesn't tell us to go off into heavenly realms and beat stuff up. He didn't, Jesus, Jesus didn't teach us that. Next, the Bible warns us not to slander divine cosmic beings. This is Jude 10, and we'll cover that. The earth he has given to man. That's our dominion, right? We know that from Genesis one twenty-six and Genesis 2, right? The, the dominion over land is ours. We, we get the earth. We get this physical, spatial realm. We don't have the heavenly realms. We were given the power to tread on serpents and scorpions. Those are terrestrial spirits. Again, back to Luke 10 and Psalm 91. We do not command or judge angels, right? A good book to pick up is Unnecessary Casualties of War by the late John Paul Jackson. He covers a lot of this stuff. So section one, the outline, never slander divine spiritual or uh, cosmic beings, right? Never slander them. We're not to revile angels and divine spiritual beings. We don't do it. Jude 8 through 10. Yet in like manner, these people also relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, that's their dominion, and blasphemy the glorious ones, the cosmic beings. But when the archangel Michael contended with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroying all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Jude 8 through 10. A couple things we unpack there. First of all, if you're watching these paranormal shows, you know, these guys come in. I'm going to provoke. I'm going to provoke the demon. Oh, you're going to do that to a child demon? I'm a, how much you take on me? Take on an adult male. Will you take on me, right? I'm a big guy. That's the stupidest thing you do. That's reviling. That's where you see Re- provoking is reviling. We have to be careful of that, right? When we go into a, a house that's infested with demons, tread lightly, listen to the Holy Spirit and hear what to do. But these things will give you horrible stuff. I know of cases where people were given cancer and stuff. You know, like they're not just going to slap you and knock you down. They're going to make you sick and make it generational. Be careful how you walk in these situations and make sure you even belong there in the first place where you show up. Zach Bagans and these guys—they don't belong where they show up to, and something horrible's going to happen to them. You know, it—it could be a ticking time bomb. them already, that's how these demons work. They put stuff in you and they just sit back and wait. So. That too. So in our side of the fence, this is where an intercessor is getting in trouble by reviling angels. I'm binding you principality. I'm commanding you to go out of this region. You don't have the authority to drive a, a, a principality out of the region because the region was given to him by God. If you look back in, uh, what was it? Psalm 82, where the, this, the areas were given up by regional spirits. Yeah, God gave them these areas. We have regional spirits above us because we're under... A judgment right now from regional spirits that goes back to Psalm 82. Go look up um, Michael Heiser's the, Un- the Unseen Realm, right? You'll understand some of this stuff. So, we don't have the authority to undo what God did. Hello, ding, ding, ding. All right, start getting educated. Number two, man's authority doesn't extend to heavenly places. We have no dominion or authority in the spirit realm, and we are to stay out. Okay, we need to learn this. So, we look at Psalm 115 16. The heavens are the Lord's, but the earth He has given to the children of man, right? So our dominions over earth and the heavens are the Lord's. Jesus gets the heavenly realms, we don't. Again, Ephesians 1 doesn't give you the right to tread in there. Be very careful of that. That's a misnomer and a mis- misinterpretation by a lot of intercessors. Item 3 Man is lesser than the angels, divine spiritual beings. God created man for the time being. We're lesser than angels, right? So Psalm 8, 4 through 5. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with the glory and honor. Psalm 8, 4 through 5, right? How about Hebrews 2, 7 through 8? You made him for a little while lower than an angel him being Jesus when he came down, was incarnate. You've crowned him with the glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything under his subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. Hebrews 2, 7 through 8, there it is. Man doesn't command or judge angels. We don't command or partner with or judge angels, all right. We need to get this through our heads. This is something in the charismatic realm where we think, hey, we're praying, we're partnering with angels, and we're telling angels, hey, go over to this region and go do this for us and go do that. That's wrong. That's that's acting out in pride, overstepping that Jesus thinks, you know, knows what's best. So you're telling Jesus how to maneuver his his um heavenly army. We don't do that. No, 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 no. Um, so, Psalm 103.20, Bless the Lord, O ye his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. They obey the voice of his word. According to Paul's epistles, the Corinthians, we don't judge angels. So, 1 Corinthians 6.3, do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more than matters pertain to this life? Right? 1 Corinthians six three. Therefore, we can expel low-level demons under our, our dominion with our authority and prayer posture, but we must petition Jesus to battle for us with the occult and divine spiritual beings. All right? What's the difference? Um, I covered it in the, the other training modules too with the class of what a low level demon is right it's 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 they're just the grunt demons are down here on the earth when we these guys do dark rituals they summon stuff from the heavenly realms which are out of our jurisdiction and that's when we start getting in trouble when the satanic bibles opened up or blood rituals happen we're in big trouble but however jesus has prepared us to deal with this stuff and it, it's the there's safe ways to do this and there's not so safe ways watching paranormal shows and how to expel demons on those shows is like the dumbest thing you can follow or do it's it's how not to do it you know, these guys are on every show we're an expert we're demonologists they don't they don't know a demon from squat they couldn't even tell you the first thing about Jesus and who he is you know they try to subjugate him as some polytheist little little God that some people worship him some people worship Buddha some people worship Satan that's okay too no 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 nope Jesus is. And always will be he's the absolute he is god everything else are these lowercase elohims that are showing up to present themselves as gods and that's why we got to stick to how we battle jesus told us how to do it and you're learning right here this is how you do it okay so i'm on the section of petitioning prayer posture to expel high level evil spirits our prayer authority doesn't extend to the heavenly realms the heavens belong to jesus Jesus guides us through these battles with his comments in Mark nine twenty nine. right? Those only come out with fasting and prayer. To take it one step deeper, those who live a lifestyle of prayer and fasting, right? These souls pray to God are in union with God. I discussed that over in St. Teresa of Avila. What does it mean to be union with God? Live with a fasting lifestyle to deny their flesh to go deeper into the dwelling with God, right? They go deeper into the indwelling with Jesus. That's what's most important, not these spiritual battles. Their life is Jesus-centric and focused on their sanctification and transforming union. This is critical. If you don't have that connection with Jesus, you don't belong in this battle whatsoever. Because these battles are long and dark, and I'm going to discuss these here in a minute, how these look. All right? So these ministers are souls with a deeper interior prayer life that will understand how to battle in the heavenly realms. We have to get tactical information from God. We have to have a deeper interior prayer life. We have to hear God. And I, I beat up before you heard me before too, because I beat up on the charismatics. I've had people on counseling that show up and go, I'm a prophet. I hold an office of prophet. These charismatics, I'm a charismatics. I say, like, I can beat up on these guys. And they sit there and tell you, I have an office of the prophetic you know, and stuff in the heavenly realms. And then I ask him, um, ask Jesus a question right now simple one you know about their life something you should get an answer back right away and they can't hear Jesus go, how on earth are you guys doing prophetic ministry if you can't hear from Jesus whatever the answer is it's coming from their soul they need to back up the train and go learn to hear from Jesus first before they start doing prophetic ministry yet they do it anyway they don't care it's soulish so the minister we're talking about here the soul hears the indwelling triune God and knows how to be recollected that is a Teresa term or experiences mystical recollection you know, they practices his presence and it comes in and out on his own from Jesus. They trust Jesus to go before them and fight his battle, right? This is critical. If you don't trust Jesus, you don't belong in a Mark 929 ministry battle. End of story. I know lots of Christians who are trying to get in a deliverance ministry and then when I work with I work with them in counseling and stuff too, and go, like, hey, what's going on here? And they don't trust Jesus to work with them. Don't trust him at all. And there's a huge situation here. So, when you're in this ministry, you trust Jesus, life and death, and you can hear Jesus. And if Jesus sends you into a place that's demonically infested, you're going there because you 100% trust Jesus, he's going to put an end to it, right? You can't. There's not a darn thing you can do. Jesus is interacting through you to put an end to the situation. You're not there going, Oh, I'm so righteous, I'm going to drive these demons out. Nope. You're going to get your booty kicked. You must trust Jesus and hear him and trust him what he's gonna do. Because every time it's different, there's no one solution to this. So Mike, then what is petitioning prayer? Here's an example of petitioning prayer for Jesus for spiritual warfare that I use commonly by modify it as I need. So Jesus, whatever's in the heavenly realms that is afflicting this person, I ask you to remove them from this battle, right? Please stop any and all occult powers and communications from the battle. I petition you that this individual is set free. Please protect my household, my finances, my property, my pets, my cars, my appliances, my family members from this battle, right? I'm outlining that I'm framing what I want protected in the battle and Jesus help me out because these guys will just, you know, all of a sudden you'll start having car problems, washing machine problems water heater problems I thought it was a brand new water heater I just bought it six months ago how come I just burst all over the floor and the warranty's out or something weird you know that that's them man. It's they do some weird stuff they'll nickel and dime you to death if they you know if you're not doing stuff right if you don't belong there they'll nickel and dime you to death man these guys are horrible they'll go after pets that's a horrific thing I had to deal with too see I want you to get the mindfulness of this thing that you're not called and that's oh, a calling whereas it's not a calling when Jesus puts you in this battle, he wants you there. And he didn't send you there unprepared. He may have prepared you for years before he sent you on something, right? First, uh, you know, David, you know, fought the the bear and the lion before he sent him to fight the Goliath, right? So he's just not going to send you into something like this. He's going to start preparing you. I had some really weird experiences a lot before it happened and got put into this ministry. So... Again, this is not, oh, I just want to do the exorcism if you if you're you're praying for being an exorcism, something like that. Like I want to be this, I want to do this, please, please, please. You need your head examined. And I'm gonna get into why. There's a lot of stuff you have your mind has to be wrapped around and get through from some severe mind attacks and battles from these things. They're not they're not nice. They don't like us. Okay. I'm on section A, Mark 929, prayer posture and evil divine spiritual beings. The disciples, who probably casted out numerous demons before the Mark Nine incident, were bewildered that their spiritual authority was completely ineffective against the possessed boy. Right? So remember, we have um, these guys were you know these were the these were the top grade guys. They were hanging around with Jesus. They said they did dead raising, they did healings. They had you know they were there and people were lowered through the roof and got healed, and all of a sudden this thing just blows up and backfires. They were they were like, what what is going on here? Why isn't our stuff working? So section one, Mark 9, 28 through 29. And when he, Jesus, entered the house, the disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this cannot be driven out by anything but prayer, right? Petitioning prayer, right? So that's, that's what he's getting. Into. So it's, it's like there's a whole paradigm shift in casting out demons right here. we'll find out why because they're not casting out demons they're casting out divine spiritual beings that were brought in section b petitioning prayer posture battles a minister will need to shift position and prayer posture when jesus leads or releases them into battles involving demonic possession against the occult divine spiritual beings gods especially those involving blood rituals and sacrifices Infested homes and locations and spiritual leprosy and Revelation two twenty battles against Jezebel infiltration into church body and leadership. Holy mackerel, there it is, right there, right. And we're gonna go into as why this is. So, blood rituals and sacrifices are stuff that's usually covered under. We run into that a lot not only in the occult, but also ritual abuse survivors, and there's, there's ways to work around that. I have another training series on satanic ritual abuse um, survivors that I only give to ministers and counselors and not to the survivors themselves. Survivors, you can't heal yourselves. You need to partner with somebody that get you out. And I don't cover the material with you because we're doing some top secret stuff here that we've got to not get in the hands of the occult that we're we kind of getting a grasp on how to battle this stuff. So I don't let it out. Only to ministers and counselors who are working with this stuff. And then, sorry, it is what it is. Um, and I won't budge on that because there's just I got too much of a bigger understanding of what the occult's doing and how deep you guys are programmed. Um, also, too, Jezebel infiltration will also be a survivor, occult a survivor, who somehow got to the pulpit. And we'll talk about that, too, and lead these. So be very careful, these guys. And I'm going to outline it and frame a lot of these things. There was a lot, of, a lot of highlights and points in that one paragraph right there that we have to go through. And most likely, these are in. Like I said, if you have a church of a. Congregation of two hundred and more. You probably have some of this stuff going on, especially ritual abuse. It was so prominent. It's crazy. Section C, Revelation two twenty, expelling Jezebel, satanic angels from church, occult level attacks in the church that come against the spirit of Elijah, and bring sexual immorality into God's place of worship. This is the fingerprint of a divine spiritual being, the Jezebel spirit. It must be expelled. And deliverance ministry does not expel this spirit. What I've encountered about the Jezebel spirit in deliverance ministry, it's usually people who want to put their thumb or look down their nose at somebody else. Oh, she's a Jezebel spirit, right? It's just, you know, just because they want to knock her down or something. Or if they disagree with something, said spiritually or take a correction, well, you must have a Jezebel spirit. I read, I received that so many times from survivors. You know, <laughs> it's just like, that's interesting you'd throw that one at me when I'm trying to give you a correction on what you are with twisted scripture, right? And oh, you're a Jezebel. And yeah, no, no, you know. Reholster the guns, buddy. You know, so we'll we'll see that a lot too with um survivors. They don't do it on purpose. We're ta- we'll talk about uh, more when we do a programming. Scripture has been entirely twisted and reprogrammed inside survivors to where it's just messed up. Unless you've worked with these people for decades like I have, you won't understand that term until you know it, it, it's brought to the surface, which is why we don't let them um, become pastors until they're fully healed. And it takes decades for them to fully heal. It doesn't happen because they got healed by themselves. That's a lie. It just means they have a, a control part in denial that's up front operating now. And, and you know, and trying to hold things together while well, inside they're a mess. So let's take a look at Revelation 219 through 29. To the church of Thyatira. Well, I hope I got that one right. Verse 19. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patience and endurance, and that you latter work succeed the first. But I have against you that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I give her time to repent but refuses to repent of her sexual sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart. And I'll give each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatria, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay you on uh, any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over all nations. And he will rule with the rod of iron as the earthen pots are broken in pieces as I myself have received authority from my father. I will give him my morning star and who has an ear, let him hear that the spirit says to the churches, right, Revelation 2, 19 through 29. So we see right away, what's it? Verse uh, 20, but I have said this against you. You tolerate this woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual morality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. So first of all, we see it's something that may appear as a spirit of Elijah, but it's there to twist and manipulate, okay? That's the first sign. Usually, when we've seen this enter the church, it's a very well-liked personality person, and so suddenly they start pitting church members against church authority. We should never go against church authority, right? That's for Jesus to sort out, not us. But the Jezebel spirit will try to do that and take it on. And it, seducing my servants to practice sexual morality. What's that looking like? If we start bringing in this social justice stuff about homosexuality and stuff into the church and whitewash it, you have brought in the spirit of Jezebel. And you must deal with it. You must eradicate the church. Mm-hmm. We'll see a lot of times, too, ritual abuse survivors they are They have all been programmed to be a Jezebel spirit, and they've all been programmed to bring down church. We don't know how they're triggered or activated, but they just do randomly, right? And they always try to get into a leadership position somehow, some way. Maybe they start with a a community um, leadership position or a, a small group leadership position, and they work up to a large Bible study position and then a larger position in church and move, 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 move. And they're programmed just to take position to bring down, Okay. And it's not obvious, it is super not obvious. If you have anybody that's a ritual abuse survivor, it is their time to heal, it's their sanctification. And it takes decades to heal. And if they tell you they're healed, they're probably not. Okay, they're just trying to hide the turmoil going on inside their stuff. And I'm trying to lock it down. It, It is what it is, I'm trying to keep the church protected, and for any minister or counselor who'll listen, this is the way it is, okay? We've run into this mistake, too, with my church. We, we did let them into leadership. That's why we knew how to flush them out, and this is where it was. There's a great book by John Paul Jackson called Unmasking the Jezebel Spirit. I suggest you read it if you're dealing with this. This is a satanic angel. It is not a, a something Deliverance will kick out. It's a satanic angel, and it must be brought out through petitioning prayer, and it must be exposed and removed. so it's interesting the the penalties too i gave her time to repent but she refused to repent of her sexual immorality behold i'll throw her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her i will throw into great tib- tribulation unless they repent of her works right the jezebel spirit could be a guy too you know it, 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 the hers because it's it's a kind of a reference sort of to a, a satanic female spirit right and everybody going well i thought spirits didn't have sexes or something like you know So many spirits can, you know, have a persona of a male or female. It just, they they can appear how they want. For some reason, you know, this is the Jezebel spirit, right? And with witchcraft, it it tends to personify itself as female. It is a witchcraft spirit. Look back at Jezebel in the Book of Kings, right? That's what it was. Item one, Jezebel comes against the spirit of Elijah and church leadership. That's why I just reeled on here. The most common case is that Jezebel spirit enters under the guise of prophetic ministry, right? She's coming after the Elijah spirit. If you have a prophetic team or something prophetic on the move inside your church, you probably have a Jezebel on the move to counter it. It's been sent in. Can be male or female. Very well well received, but increasingly becomes divisive to leadership. Common sign is they're the catalyst of being divisive against the leadership where no division existed prior, okay? Like I said, again, with the ritual abuse survivors, we had to deal with this. We had to remove them from leadership. In fact, we tore out leadership out of our church because when we work with these survivors, we gave them nothing to desire um, moving themselves up in our church positions with, right? It just had to be done. It had to be removed. Liberal progressive churches and denominations lax on what offends God. The church must not embrace any form of sexual immorality. Period, right? If you want to become a social justice church, and you know, there's ways to minister to communities that that deal with sexual morality. There's ways to minister to that, and as long as they're coming in under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that's okay. But if we're whitewashing the Bible, the New Testament and Old Testament to allow these things in, that's Jezebel spirit coming in, and you have to repent of it. So Jude five through seven. Now, I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe, and the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling place, he has kept in eternal chains under gloom and darkness until the judgments of the day, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality, and pursued a natural desire. Okay, I want you to go fester on what that is. Pursuit a natural desire. Serve as example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Okay? Let you guys unpack that one. I don't need to unpack that one for you. Three, doctrinal churches with legalistic leadership that controls its members. Jezebel invades the pulpit through centralized leadership where the members are strictly controlled in ministries of deliverance, intercession, and the prophetic. There is no humility in the humanistic leadership or the members and they position themselves above others in the churches in the area, especially position themselves above other churches in the area. These churches attract both the occult and ritually abused because of the controlling spirits that freely operate. Okay, process that one right there, right? Um, We have some very legalistic um, ch- churches in our area who embrace deliverance, but it's their version of deliverance. And they try to deliver it to other churches and they get rejected. And we had to try to you know, push off some of their intercessors who came into ours and we got, hey, there's something really messed up about how these intercessors are working. And they got really torqued, right? Like, how dare you not understand or listen to us how we we do intercession because we know how to do it, right? Therefore, you guys are, you know, you guys are, evil and all this stuff and it, it got ugly right and just be very careful this be very careful and be careful too like popular churches are doing it too it's our way of um deliverance one of the ways low too is they, they publish their own material and then they quote themselves their own pastors the material that's a very dangerous um form of deliverance where it's like it's becoming more jezebel like more controlling right be very careful that and i know some churches have good deliverance ministries and they start doing that, but that's when they're starting stepping out in pride and you need to repent of that and get that garbage out of your deliverance books where you're quoting yourselves. You know, it's the pastors, it's, that's bad. Bad, 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 bad. Get my newspaper out and smack you guys. Churches that embrace only the Heavenly Father's love and ignore His discipline. Charismatic churches are in... <laughs> i to do it. Tend to do this. A lot of times I notice when I work with these people in counseling, they can only say, Papa, Papa, Papa. They can't say the Heavenly Father because there's damage done by the earthly father. So they can call him as Papa, Papa, right? And like St. Teresa Atlas said, be very respectful of who you're talking to. He's the Heavenly Father, right? Be respectful of him. So modern preaching approach to reach the wounded heart is to preach on the love of the Father only. But the father disciplines, right? A good father who wants to raise his children will discipline. But sadly, these churches ignore the father as the one who brings discipline to us through trials and sanctifications. These churches tend to coalesce New Age believers, false and doctrinal prophets, as well as ritual abuse survivors, right? Because there's no discipline for them to be corrected. They don't want to be corrected, or they're programmed, as in case of ritual abuse, not to Receive correction because any correction from the Heavenly Father is evil and mean. That's how they're programmed, right? Where we know that we go through sanctification and trials to correct us and bring us back into humility with the Father. Okay. And so it's it's I've seen it out there. A bunch of churches preach love of the Father, love of the Father, love of the Father, but they never preach, he's also a disciplining Father, okay? And just it becomes New Age church, right? It's just it just slightly distorts the New Testament of who the heavenly father is and and then again when we distort and tweak that's when the like some of the survivors and the 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 false prophets come in because they like that sort of stuff right be very careful very very careful okay number five how does jezebel come in the occult sneaking into church leadership and pulpit This one, I rail against every Halloween. I think this is the first Halloween back in 2020. Since nobody's going to church, I didn't have to rail against it. Former high-level occult people and ritual abuse survivors should not be placed in any form of leadership or permitted to preach. These people need a lifetime to heal from a dissociative identity disorder, especially from the severe trauma they were placed under to create thousands of identities inside of them. Okay? They have thousands of identities inside of them or more. All ritual abuse survivors have been programmed with the Jezebel spirit to bring down churches. We said that. More on this ritual abuse module, okay? Do not invite a guest speaker to your pulpit that was a former high-level witch, warlock, or satanic priest. They will always come to the pulpit and tell you this story like, oh, yeah, at a very young age, I was brought in and trained, you know? I was, I was a young guy, probably my pre-teens. And this high-level witchcraft, by this high-level Satanist, right? That's the programmed... Picture they are told to give you. They didn't tell you about how very sick, bad things happened to them. They were tortured. They did horrible things, therefore, to kill other people, to split and fracture their mind, right? They're not telling you that piece. And so they have thousands of personalities inside them, or we call identities or parts, right? I like to refer to parts because not really, you know, personalities doesn't really cut it anymore. More identities. So as you invite these these former satanic high level priests to the pulpit of your church, you don't know which identity you're getting, and which identities come up and is designed kind of like the born identity to tar- start twisting scripture only mildly, so just to throw stuff off in your church. I wouldn't invite these people at all. No, um, it's not necessary for Halloween. You should. It, it's kind of it's it's kind of embracing that satanic lifestyle, right? And like, hey, let's bring up a, an ex-satanic person because now you're embracing their lifestyle. And it, it sounds exciting, but it's not. But you don't know who's going to come up inside of them and talk to your congregation, and you won't even be able to catch it unless you're trained in working with deprogramming occult people or MKUltra people. You won't see the switching going on. Okay, so just don't invite these people to your podcast. Don't invite them to your, your pulpit. It's just not safe. Okay. And this is people, Oh Mike, you're, you're talking in fear. Um, you know, don't even throw out my face. You want to see fear? I'll take and show you fear. I'm talking about people I worked with. I love them to death and I see them switching and it's just not safe for them to be up there. Okay. Let's get our minds screwed on the right spot. So we got, um so let's just wrap up with that one. So let's look at Mark 9:29 special forces prayer team. This is your exorcism team. Not all churches have to have an exorcism team, right? They don't have to. God's going to create this for you if one is required. I can't even explain all the crazy stuff that brought our team together, right? We didn't really much know each other and we were brought together through the Holy Spirit, you know, over time. Gradually, 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 we kind of our course corrections were made toward till we actually just ram boats into each other, right? And that's that's how Jesus works. That's how he's gonna build this a team for you. So the common response from anyone that operates at ministry in this capacity is they were drafted into warfare. I was drafted, I didn't volunteer, right? I was drafted. This is not a calling, as I said before. It is a position that God fills as he sees fit. And I don't know. How I got this position is not because I'm righteous. I always think it's because I'm no good to be a worship leader, so he threw me to exorcism, right? So hey, you can't worship Mike. Go yeah, do exorcism. There you go. Um, being drafted no way makes the soul righteous than a next believer. I'm not more righteous. I'm dealing with stuff too. I'm dealing with junk and sanctification, right, every day, and more intense because I have to go do um, spiritual warfare. So it's just not not that uh, Mike's super righteous. And he's been given this gifting, and he walks on water. That is not the case, man. Get that out of your skull. I was drafted. All I can tell you, Mike, I need. we need you in infantry, man. I need you a sniper. And I need you to take out some high-level stuff. Go, okay, all right. Um, so nor is this an office as in the charismatic case. Right? I hear that a lot. Everybody goes, hey, Mike, you're holding an office? No, I don't hold an office. I'm just a servant, man. Sometimes, you know, on the streets of homeless, I was called to wash feet or I was called to uh, pray over people. You know, it's just when it opens up, God pushes me into it and I go do it, okay? And then that that closes and it's not all the time, right? So people in their right mind don't volunteer for this and we'll explain why in a second. Oh my gosh. The way you know you're drafted is that the ministry keeps coming your way from God. I don't advertise. In fact, I even pulled down um, contact information on my website because I was getting flooded with stuff, right? Mainly if it was from the occult trying to overflow me and shut me down. So I still get cases from people that the Holy Spirit delivered right in my hands, and this is how it works. You know, you don't need a cell phone. You don't need anything else. God is going to deliver it in your hands to work this work. If he wants you in this ministry, he will push you in this ministry. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, I could probably get rid of all my phones and I'd still get work coming in. You know, it is what it is. So God will select the souls he will guide through intents. My intents, I mean these are intended to break the minister and quit. Right? Just like the Navy SEALs, go ring the bell. If you don't want to do this, go ring the bell. And the prolonged days, months, years, dark trials that accompany this level of warfare. He will allow the ministers to be sifted in spiritual conflicts that are called a clash. right? If you're going through a demonic possession case, God's going to allow you to be broken too. Um, during that spiritual battle for the soul that can't fight for itself. A clash is where a healthy and equipped soul contends for spiritual afflicted soul in a dark battle for freedom. So if you got stuff going on or you've never been through a dark trial, this is not the place to test your your, your, your feet in the water, man. This is not. Because every trial is meant to break you too, you know? Some not fun stuff. But as God trains you deeper and deeper, you can take more and more stuff, right? You start understanding and he'll, he knows what you can and can't take. But a lot of stuff, you still go through these trials, you still get a lot of junk going through your head, man. So section A, let God build the small team. He's gonna build his Navy SEALs, right? God will build this small special forces ministry as he sees fit. By small, I mean probably around three to five individuals that each have a deep interior prayer life, right? And if they don't have one, he's gonna develop one around them. They're gonna they're going to get one. As this team grows in unity, it will need to be completely transparent of all attacks that are happening to each other. God will assemble team members of those who know him. I'm gonna go back to this word transparent. Um, I co-pastor with two women, and we're completely transparent of all the garbage we're being hit with. Transparent about it. So we have to know where each other's at and how to pray, okay? Your life is no longer your own. Your personal information is no longer your own when you do this stuff because you have to share it with others you're helping and healing. It's just, it is what it is. If you have stuff you don't want to talk about, you better not go into this ministry because I've been through stuff, I've been healed of stuff, and I have to talk about stuff. I even had um, ritual abuse survivors who didn't like me try to use this information I already shared against me. You know, it's like, (laughs) why are you talking about that? Everybody else already knows it too. I'm transparent. You know? So it's just, it is what it is. So, if you have junk in your closet you're trying to hide, this is not the ministry for you because it will be revealed and it will be exposed. You are going to be transparent. So, um, yeah. And during these battles, you have to be transparent with each other what's going on. You have to be. And that's how you fight these things. When the lie surfaces and the truth is exposed, you've just clobbered the, um, some of the battles. It's, it's amazing. It's all, everything's based on lies, right? They're going to lie about your prayer partners. They're going to lie about everything else, whisper in your ears, do all sorts of stuff, and put junk on you. And if you're a person that's taking antidepressants or something like that, or you have alcoholism or a drug problem, this is not for you. You will be destroyed and wiped out. They will wipe you out. It's like withstanding a, uh, with a class 5 tornado every time it blows through town, and you stand your ground against it. That's what it is. Um, there's nothing about me that makes me more special. I just have a deep prayer life that I know how to go. I know how to pursue it. I know how to dig in and entrench when these things happen. It's basically what it is, entrench and petition with Jesus. So one, strength not in numbers, but in prayer team spiritual maturity. The team doesn't necessarily have to be large. A small group, maybe less than five mature souls, who all trust each other with their lives in hell's foxhole, right? Um, like I, said, I co-pastor with two women. We... That's it. We we always um, say a strand of three cords is not easily broken. We dismantled our intercessor team because it got invaded by the occult and by intercessors. Like I spoke earlier to Jezebel intercessors that came in like that were very doctrinal because they came from a church that goes, hey, we know how to do deliverance ministry. We own it. We wrote the book. And they came and tell us how to do intercession. And it was totally derailed. So we had to get rid of everybody. So three people that are in tune with jesus three to five people remember you're gonna have to know each other's how each other's broken how each other functions as transparency because so i wouldn't have any more than three right because if somebody's mad gonna go off and brag like yeah hey, i sat with those guys they're all broken well, we know that right we're human beings we're all broken but they will use it against you so um this happened so many times with us we got rid of people you know So we were down to three and we pray constantly. We're we're texting each other about prayer requests. We're texting each other about how we're under attack. And we get together and pray and we worship together and stuff. And just, we are dialed into Jesus. A lot of times it's kind of cool through our prophetic, lower P prophetic, you know, lowercase p, not big P. We hear a lot of the same things and we share them like, wow, that's kind of cool. Small teams. Number two, small teams keep unity in prayer. This team needs to operate in unity through prayer. Be watchful, Christian, witchcraft, intercessory prayer. I discussed that, right? From the doctrinal teams. In the form of prideful prayer team members who feel they know what direction to pray better than the team. Well, flush them. You have the right to flush them. If you're head of a team, get rid of those. We, we pray of whether we should let people in or not because even our counseling office, we have a sanctuary there and we pray about who we let into worship to make sure the occult didn't come in or somebody thinks they know how to worship Drew something in that we don't want in there right it's just it's a navy seals it's a different form of battle don't assume because people say they know how to do stuff they do we usually work with them bring them in with prayer and listen to them how they pray for a couple times and then say if well, we invite them back or not to them pray with us right because we have to get their temperament and totally understand hey this person doesn't belong here you know or they may be freaked out when we're praying like oh i don't want to be here <laughs> it's like okay what do you think you're getting into huh? um anyhow yeah Section three, God will select and train his team to endure severe trials. There can be great weariness on the souls of the team as members battle for months with no rest or release. Souls in this ministry will use trials to shape them for any battles ahead. There it is. This is not something um, like a deliverance ministry. Hey, we met for tonight for four hours, we did deliverance to everybody, and uh, wow, we felt some warfare and it's gone. This drags out for months to years. Like I said, I worked with some people for decades um, especially when we work with ritual be survivors, they have thousands of identities. And some of those are little kid parts around the age of four who are angry at Jesus and know how to use witchcraft. So you got to be very careful with this stuff. Very, very careful. You have to understand it. You know, so it's just, and God will let those trials, I've, God's let those trials a little 4 through witchcraft at I me mean, during sessions. And it's kind of like, um, I think it's back to was it actually part of my mark 16 you know verse um the, the serpent's venom will hit you but it will not affect you right and you'll shake it off i think that's what he's talking about the witchcraft has venom right and it, it i've had stuff that hurt me you know causes severe injuries on me i've had stuff that just lasted for a long time like severe migraines that were witchcraft in certain you know weird areas of the mind and now it's just like as i endured those, i become impervious to them they don't happen much anymore So it's just, there's going to be a lot of stuff happening to you you're not going to like. You will not like this. This is not something to sign up for and volunteer for, you know? So four, dark trials will expose iniquities to bring humility. Beware of pastors, intercessors, and lady that may not be spiritually up to the task. These trials can at times expose your own iniquities, which to pastors of congregation could be a liability, right? Their sin, their pride, their narcissism, their lust, they have a porn addiction, it's going to come up. It will come up, man. So it just be careful what you are. And a lot of pastors get prideful too, because we don't have PhDs, right? I'm I'm a Bible geek. I, I totally research Hebrew, and then I like listen to lectures on Hebrew and stuff. I'm not a PhD, but I can argue on that level, especially on spirituality. I can I can um, pass them up. But there's this narcissism or pride that because i have a PhD, you know, I shouldn't be a pastor. Well, the women I work with don't have PhDs either. God brought them to be pastors. God brought the seventy disciples in to be pastors, right? And look at the book of Acts. Who do you bring in? Do they have a Did they have a seminary program to it? No, I'm not knocking seminary, but be okay with the fact that some people are sent through seminary and some are sent to the you know, I got my PhD from the <laughs> from the master man, uh, so it just it is what it is. So be very careful because I have stuff and training that seminary doesn't PhDs don't have. They don't get it. They don't get it whatsoever. And a lot of my stuff came out of research. My background is computational physics. I was trained as scientist. I know how to research. And when I look for stuff and I look for answers, I'm in scientific research mode plus faith and spirituality mode, man. So yeah. So the average person can be called up and raised up in this. They don't need a PhD in this. And I don't think there is a PhD in exorcism in a seminary school. I don't even think they even have a course or they even teach one hour in exorcism at a seminary school. I don't know. I doubt it. Ah, the funk. This is where we're gonna start getting interesting. What's the funk, Mike? We need the funk. Gonna have some funk. Do we need the funk? <laughs> What's that? Those guys from the 70s, man. The funk. Isolation, warfare, and dark spiritual trials that accompany the exorcist. Oh, joy. Here we go. The good stuff. Ministers don't typically volunteer for this ministry. I've would, I would established this, right? I'm repeating myself. I want to get to, I want this to get through your head. God drafts a soul. God doesn't send his warriors into battle unprepared. Well, gosh, how does he train them? David first fought the lion and the bear before God drafted him to bring down Goliath. God will send in demonic lions and bears to raise you up as a fighter. These will be in the form of dark trials. Where your only method of fighting is going close to God and seeking protection under his pinions, right? Psalm 91, three or four was under his pinions. you will find refuge. And I also like Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you. You only have to be silent or (laughs) the street version. I'm going to fight this for you Just shut up and let me handle this. Right. That's God. (laughs) I'm going to handle this for you. That's exorcism. There it is right there. The Lord will fight for you. You're going to have to be out there. I'm binding principalities. I'm no, 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 no. There it is right there. The Lord will fight for you and you have to be silent. You know, the place you're not silent is dear Jesus, Lord, or dream worship. You don't have to be silent during worship. You can't be silent. Go worship, man. Go worship and adoration, Jesus. That's how you fight these things, man. I'm sorry. I don't have a clue when I enter these things of how it's going to be resolved. And I'm always amazed how he resolves them, these issues as I exit the case. Okay. I don't have to have the answer. I'm not bringing healing. I'm not driving out the demons. Jesus is. Right. That's, that's step number one. Get this through your skull the funk oh god i love this this is actually my own term <laughs> i had no other way of naming this thing this is called i'm in a funk right now and and it's kind of one of the ladies i work with um she calls the funky hoobie heebiejeebamoojoo <laughs> it is all over us right now we got the funky heebiejeebamoojoo going on something I mean, that's kind of funny she picked up on funky also so somewhere about the funk it's it, it describes this thing what is the funk mike outside of a 70s uh type of music the enemy will work to isolate the minister mentally and socially with depression and demonic voices hmm okay got that you'll be isolated mentally and socially with depression and you'll be bombarded with demonic voices you stink Mike what makes you think you can do this even your wife thinks you're horrible blah blah blah, blah. this is going on you're getting rattled with this stuff right So during this battle, the minister must be transparent with their team on what they're hearing spiritually. I've got to be able to hear God as well as push through this this nasty bombardment of demonic voices. Speaking the lie exposes the lie and breaks off the assignment. A lot of times um, the lady pastors I work with, I'll text off what I'm hearing when I know what the lie is and it breaks it off right away. It's amazing because sometimes the demons are working on them over time too. Hey, Mike's thinking this about you, and what do you think about that? You know, was he? What do you think he get off as a male saying something misogynist about you or something? And they'll get all riled up, and they go, wait a minute, Mike didn't say that to me. And I'm sitting there getting all, you know, we'll text you like, wait a minute, were you getting attacked with this too? And I go, yeah. And so we'll always oh, we start laughing, and it breaks off in about an hour. Just, it just, you just feel it just dissipate off your mind. It's so horrible. So I call the spiritual experience the funk, and it can last for months before it breaks off. Jesus will push you farther than you ever believe your mind is capable of enduring. That part's not fun, right? Um, We call this in church stretching. (laughs) What if it's supernatural stretching to deal with supernatural warfare in very dark places? So Jesus will push you farther than you believe your mind is capable. What does that mean? I'm throwing in the towel. Jesus, I can't do this. I quit, I quit, man. Jesus, I can't do this. And Jesus like, nah, you got this one, Mike. Come on, just hold out usually when i quit it's about two days later something ends it's like i i can't believe i quit two days before something was gonna file you know go through months and months and months of it like i had enough i had enough of the ringing in my head i had enough of the voices and it's done you know the battle is won and then you know the gray clouds clear and the sunlight comes through and the the demonic forces have been ripped apart by god's forces and it, you know you know singing in the streets right it's, it's that different day and night So, you're pushed beyond what you're capable of enduring. Because of your deep interior prayer life and your relationship with Jesus, you can hear from God during this time and know that you're not cursed, right? I keep hearing from Jesus, I can't do this. I keep hearing, Mike, you got this one. You totally got this one. He's picking me back up. Come on, Mike, let's go. Come on, Mike, you're you're at the end of the road here. You're at the end of the race. (laughs) Don't crawl now, you know, go get this one. So, that's how you know you're not cursed because despite the bombardment and the warfare, Jesus is giving you tactical information and like even though this this timing is not fun, this season is not fun. You're being pulled back on your boots and given um joy in your heart about Jesus is with you and He's got you on this one, right? It's just there's there's such duplicity here that Jesus got you, right? And that's what keeps you going. You have to understand this in these battles. You have to be able to walk like that in your deep prayer life. A lot of times the only place I found, you know, peace was during deep prayer life with Jesus during during these battles. You know, and all of a sudden this, the, the clouds were clear. Like I'm, I'm doing something interesting right now. I had something where the funk came in this past couple of days and it just, it feels, it's weighted on you. You feel it. And I remember last night, I was just like talking to Jesus like, man, I, I know what this is about. I know what's going on. We just took on a new battle and there it is, right? It's just, it's just, it's a counter strike from the demonic forces. They're launching stuff against you. I go, man, I can't even feel it in bed. It's just weighted. And like, oh, this feels, I don't know how to describe it to people. You know, it's it's just there. Your your mind, you don't want to do ministry. You don't want to do anything. You just want to go off and hide somewhere. Um, you're having a hard time trying to focus reading your Bible. And it's a demonic forces. It? And then I remember getting up, uh, this was about three o'clock in the morning last night. I was feeling this. And about four in the morning, I got to go to the restroom. all of a sudden it, 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 it pulled off like, God came in and pulled it off me, you know, while I was sleeping. I go, wow, that's crazy. You know, and I haven't felt it today, but I was still feeling it for the past two days. And I know what it's about. Like I'm entering a new battle with somebody and I like, oh my God, what is this coming in for? Oh, that's right. We're starting this new battle. Here they go. You know, they're, they're, they're moving their forces, right? <laughs> and then we're, we're moving ours in. And so all, oh, that's one thing I hate about battles. You know, I hated this, this funk stuff. I had a conversation with Father Gary Thomas. He's um, the exorcist who they made the movie to write about. It was with Anthony Hopkins was in the movie. And there was this weird scene <laughs> where this demonic donkey was falling around uh, Gary Thomas' character in the movie. So I asked Father Gary, I go, what was with the demonic donkey? And essentially he goes, that was the director's artistic way of portraying on the screen the funk. Or, what I call the funk, but he, it's the same thing he's talking about. He goes to, right? Your mind's in this weird place and it's demonic stuff. He knows demonics trying to push you to the ground and stuff. But that was, I mean, if you saw that movie, The Demonic Donkey Following Him around, that's what this is. And I thought, oh, that's so cool. I know exactly what you're talking about. We had a conversation over lunch about this. And he's going, yep, that's what that was. And I go, oh my gosh. Like I said, never seen a demonic donkey following me around. and You think about it, it was an artistic way of the director. Very cool. You know, most audience wouldn't get it unless you're an exorcism or something. Like, what is that? <laughs> you go, oh, okay. That totally resonates, right? That, that makes sense. So one, feeling stressed and joyful. Feeling dressed. I got my the type there. Feeling stressed and joyful. Oh, excuse me. Feeling depressed and joyful. Okay. I see this. Feeling depressed and joyful. So number one is feeling depressed and joyful. So what is that? The minister will feel the depression from the attack, right? This, they try to make you depressed all the time. That's why you can't be somebody who's on antidepressants. So you can't be a depressed person because you feel when it kind of comes in like a dark cloud, you know, kind of like, um, was that guy, Pigpen on the peanuts, the dark clouds around him. That's kind of like the dirty cloud. It comes around you and it just it tries to hover. And so when that depression from the attack comes in, at the same time, you have to feel the joy of the presence of the indwelling Jesus, right? Okay, that's what I'm talking about, right? I know how to hunker down like, oh, there's Jesus. It's kind of like it's raining outside. There's 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 dark storm clouds, but there's Jesus and it's safe in here, right? I'm safe with Him. So practicing His presence is critical. That's the fourth through sixth mansion experiences, right? In the fourth mansions it comes supernaturally. So when that dark storm cloud starts hovering around my body and me, that 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 funk, Jesus kind of manifests on His own inside me, like, hey, Mike, I'm right here. Here we go. Let's do this, right? That's Jesus. Let's do this. Let's let's roll. Now the fourth and sixth Managing Experiences are from St. Teresa of Avlof Interior Castle. So two, Jesus coaches the soul during the funk. The indwelling Jesus will be coaching and urging you to press in. Remember I talked about that. To fight the darkness. These trials are how Jesus raises up warriors for exorcism and occult warfare ministry. What does that mean? It's kind of like, I don't know if you ever saw the movie The Gladiator. Um, Was it Russell Crowe? The Gladiator? And he's... um, training some new gladiators and he surrounds them into a battle formation. He says, whatever comes through that door, namely lions or tigers are going to come after him or a rhino whatever it was, right? I want you guys to hold your ground. That's what Jesus does. He goes, whatever's coming through that door, Mike, I got you, but I need you to hold your ground. Stay, stand firm where you're at. And I've got this one. that's, that's, that's back to trust, right? I trust Jesus. He's got me through so many battles. I trust him. I just wish there were better ways to get rid of those stupid gloomy clouds. Maybe that might break off one day as I you know, walk more in authority and stuff with him. I don't know what it is, but you know, I'd like to have that break off. But it's also the way the body's sensing that the battle's still going on. Like I said, it's kind of like a dark storm cloud breaks and the sun comes through when these battles are over and you just feel that garbage lift off you. Three, encounters with dark supernatural unseen realm. During episodes of spiritual warfare, God may reveal his unseen realm to you. Spirits may manifest in your home or arrange or encounter to help you train, right? These encounters are graces from God and occur on his whim. God will also arrange supernatural encounters both in your life and the spirit realm. High-level mystical experience in the fourth and sixth mansion prayer states. What does that mean? Uh, I don't usually have anything happening in my house, no activity in my house. You know, I just... For years and years and years. But sometimes when I deal with the rare demonic cases, these stupid demons try to show up in my house, right? They they um they try to manifest. I'll see shadow figures and then cast them out and then they're, they're gone. And that's the only time I ever see stuff is like we're really dealing with demonic possession and we just flush the house bless it, you know, and it, we don't see this stuff come back. But I've had like days where I've worked with them um, a demonic possessed person and I go to bed and the light switches all flick on right <laughs> I'll cast it out name of Jesus get out my wife's funny I just flew out the window I saw it leave you know it, just, it doesn't it doesn't taint us any or doesn't i don't. Know, it doesn't throw us off any we get what it is because we live in a, a house that's filled with the Holy Spirit so there's never anything dark going in here it's just always a nice ah. people say that they come to our house too cause sometimes we brought shelter to people who are um, under you know, family issues, and they walk around house. Oh my God, it's peaceful here. Like, yeah, that's why we try to keep it. You know, they think, "Cause you're in spiritual warfare." Like, oh my God, I can feel it here too. Now, even our office, my office, where we do the ritual abuse survivors, that is so peaceful. I, I like going there because it's so peaceful there. Right? It's like, ah, oh. you know, It's just, it just, because we pray it up so much. There's so much worship going on there. So much prayer, and it's just the atmosphere is Jesus in there. And the atmosphere is Jesus in my house. The Holy Spirit. And the atmosphere is Jesus there. So. You will have mystical experiences, whether in dreams, go conquer some, you know, kick some booty on some demons, or I've had encounters with satanic angels that God arranged, right? To show me, to bring me up to speed, like, you know, some weird stuff. You know, I've witnessed teleportation in people that were possessed, right? I've seen some weird stuff. Weird, weird, weird. But it was all under the anointing of the Holy Spirit where he protected me and I could feel the power of him circulating through me right? It's an amazing feeling and you should have that going on too. And all this stuff was happening because God put me in the places to do it. He arranged them. I didn't go, Jesus, can we have a an encounter with an angel? And no, 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 no. All this stuff's off guard and at his whim. And sometimes i stuff, he just wants to show me his unseen realm because he loves me, right? It's just crazy stuff. Cause I get to see bad stuff. He shows me good stuff. It's just, you know, it's cool. And like, it's, it, We're all different, so don't go. I want those experiences Mike's having. You know, you you gotta identify what cool experiences Jesus is giving you too. Is he giving you cool dreams? Is he giving you cool visions? Is he giving you cool prophetic? Right? It's just it's how He graces you, and you gotta roll with that. That's how you're wired with Him. That's your relationship with Him. You don't have a Mike relationship. You have a you relationship. Figure out how it's wired. You know, that's how you're gonna get these high level mystical experiences by just going deeper with Him. Like Jesus, thank you for this. You know, even if this stuff's all removed from me, I don't care. You know, if I never have these experiences anymore. I still have Jesus. That's fine by me, too, because he's what's important, right? It's not the gifts. It's the giver because he's he's done some super cool stuff for me. He's amazing. Cool, cool stuff. Four, humility brings God's glory and victory. Amen, right? These battles can last for months to the breaking point of the minister wanting to be released from battle. Happens a lot. I've gone through some dark stuff. Typically from the soul being in a state of the clash for so long, right? Then the funk immediately comes to an end, signifying the victory of Jesus Christ. He always wins. It's just, you know, sometimes I don't know if I, you know, <laughs> we trust him. Like, oh, I can't walk any further. My feet hurt. You yeah. One of those conversations. The length of the battle usually depends on the warfare of the afflicted soul. And when that soul wakes up from the satanic lie of hopelessness and trusts Jesus as Lord and Savior as the only way to victory. That's the problem with these clashes is I trust Jesus and I have to come alongside and do warfare until that soul wakes up and trusts Jesus too. And when that soul wakes up and trusts Jesus, the battle's over, right? And so God may release you from somebody too. You may go for months and God's going, you know what? I gave this guy every chance with you, Mike. Let's just break it off. Let's go. And so, like I said, he's the one that breaks it off. You know, a lot of times, I say, like I said, sometimes I'm ready to go, Jesus, I'm done. When's this guy going to wake up, you know? <laughs> Come on, come on. You know what's his rock bottom? It's not me, it's Jesus that breaks it off. And he'll identify to me and he'll help me understand or give me peace of my mind and my heart. Like, oh, you know what? We've given him every shot. And he's not taking it. He's so hardened right now. He wants to wallow and have self-pity over what's going on with him. And that's what the demons are doing. We're gonna break it off till he's ready to be healed. And we do, we'll break off. So be aware of that too. Though people are just They'll be demonized, it'll suck the life out of you. There's even people like that in church who just come like, oh, help me deliverance, I need deliverance of this, this and that. No, you're not. You're not identifying your own trials. You're not standing in your own trials. That's what the problem is, you know? Ideally, unless there's some sort of demonic spiritual attachments to people in church, I would say we really don't need deliverance ministry in the church, except for a few occasions. It's because people aren't standing up in their own trials and going deeper in Christ, right? There's some cases where we do need deliverance ministry, but I think to the point we're doing it now, it's a crutch, and people aren't going deeper with Jesus because of it, right? I can just go get my uh, McDonald's deliverance done and, you know, I'll feel better, and that's not how it works. Especially if they come to me, I'll identify what's going on, you know? Is this behavioral? You know, go and sin no more then. But I need to be delivered from porn. That's a behavior. That's, you know, God didn't dump that one on you, you know? <laughs> you let those demons in and it's behavior you have to adjust and get out of your mind and it's a long walk and it hurts and it's painful but it is what it is so that's the end of module three of mark Nine Twenty Nine ministry Boy, this is gonna be a long one huh guys okay um i wonder if it's no we'll, just, we'll leave it the way it is i wanted to present this material to you guys because i didn't have a chance to give it the honest due justice it needed during that class and so I went through and gave it to you guys now. Anyhow, I hope you guys enjoy this and it's through your workbook. And yeah, I'm going to cut it off here. I was going to do some practice stuff with you guys, but this is this is long. This one's long. So God bless you guys. I love you. And until next time, I'm, I promise you I'm going to get back to the St. Teresa of Avila and the Advanced Field Guide Spiritual Warfare. That is coming, guys. That is coming. Until then. God bless.